Let's get ready to rumble! Oh, hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema. The podcast that has discovered this week that the rumors of the death of the Grey Pound might be very much unfounded. My name is Tosin and I am your host. I am based up in the Midlands of the UK and joining me as always on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolland. Hello. And making a special guest appearance. Hey. He heard, he heard his, he heard his like, oh, his, his public baying, baying for our blood because he wasn't around. It's Sean Harris all the way from Bangkok. Yeah. Hey! Hey! Oh, sure, sure. What time? What time is it there over that? And now it is. It's um. It's about quarter past one in the morning. Quarter past one in the morning. So, Sean, we'd like to thank you. You've heard people baying. You've heard them bay- asking Sharon and I what we've done with you. Where's Sean? <laughs> yeah, where's Sean? What have you done with Sean? I haven't not- I've noticed that Sean has been around for a couple of weeks. Why is that? You've ne- you've heard that I've decided to show up and actually like no, let let. Let everybody know that you're okay. Let everybody know you're okay and that Sharon and I didn't do anything weird with you. Yeah, we haven't had you... We haven't taken out a hit on you or anything. Well, well, yeah, no, so no. Let's, let's put it this way. It's, you've heard of Peng Shui and everybody going, where is Peng Shui? We don't have to have a where is, where is Sean t-shirts made <laughs> up, all right? Because yeah. Sean is here. Sean is talking. Sean is not being coerced to say anything nice about us. So... <laughs> Yeah, wow, but... I, I mean, you, you, this, everything is nice about you, so you can't really say anything more, <laughs> can you? Really? Okay, so but you've been enjoying the time out in Thailand, Sean, and um, and you've said you've managed to you've you've even managed to get along to the cinema and everything, and see a couple of things. So mm-hmm. keeping keeping up the the end. But um, just this week, this week after we've spent the last couple of weeks complaining, Sharon, that you and I don't get any fan mail. And that um, that only Sean gets a new fan mail. It turns out that oh, guess what? We do get some fan mail. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it doesn't. We we do get some fan mail, mostly on YouTube, mostly in the forms of people leaving reviews of our reviews, <coughs> reviews of our reviews on YouTube. And it's usually good for Sharon because remember the time when we had someone who can't go in touch about Sharon's review of um, Bonfire of Destinies, which is still our most watched video on YouTube. So it's like someone left a review of that. So it's usually good for Sharon and it's usually abuse for me. So, oh, no. <laughs> so, so going from, I can't, I, I don't think it was last week. It might have been last week or the week before when um, I reviewed The Taurus, the Jamie Dornan TV show. Yeah. We had someone called Stella Winier who just sent me, who just sent a message that said, your review is a mess. It's hard to understand where you're going with this. Listen to it. You're not making sense. Oh, no. <laughs> pretty much and i was like oh okay well uh-huh. to which i just replied well thank you very much for getting in touch stella <laughs> have you watched it yet she's like yes i have i never had if i if i had hadn't seen it your review would have made me to- let me totally confused and, and not interested in watching it i like this series it kept my interest i look forward to watching the next episode so i just said well i hope she finds something probably that sharon reviews that <laughs> she'll <laughs> that she will end up liking um, <laughs> is is what i said so sharon so that was my fan mail, if you can call it that. And um, Sharon, would you like to hear yeah, your? Now. <laughs> no, don't worry. I told you. I told you. The, the it's it's generally good for you. It's it's love for Sean. Love that what we get is love for Sean. Um, abuse for me. Good for Sharon. Because Sharon, your review of the Wheel of Time 
we had yeah. somebody called David McGarry who actually wanted to get involved with your review, and he was like, and he was talking about the the is it is it pronounced the Aja or Aja? You know the the group of like not the the not Benny Gesserit people that Rosemary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, I'm gonna go with um, Aja. He says the red Aja are more like the police, and the green would be the army. There are some animated short stories in the X-ray feature that's in uh, on Amazon Prime, which ex yeah. which explains some more world concepts, which can be helpful to understand the whole world a little better, or to give you a little extra content. He says content. It might be content yeah. or context. context. I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 He he says that, but he, he it looks like he heard what you said about the wheel of time, and he just wanted to get involved. He just wanted to get involved. Oh, cool. So. Yeah, so good stuff. So we do get some fan mail. So now let's yeah, get. I couldn't on... quite work out what the colours meant because I know there's like there's several colours, and I was thinking, I think this one is this. It's like Star Trek crew, isn't it? I was thinking. Yeah. I think this is like, you know, red for engineering and. Yes. So so David yeah, David very help yeah David very helpfully got in touch to try and explain a little bit more about what the oh, colours meant. Thank you for that. I look that up. Yes. Yes. And um, I said. Uh, Especially as Sharon said, reading the books is a bit beyond us at the moment. So thank you very much, David. And now let's just get onto this week where we shall give you some reviews that I'll probably get abused for. And <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So this week, I think we only have one film in cinema. Even though, yeah, even, even though I looked at this film and I thought, I have a sneaky feeling that Sharon is going to watch this. I have a sneaky feeling that Sharon is going to watch this. And so I was thinking I should go watch something else because if not, we're only going to have one thing to watch on the film. But the dreaded cinema listing time struck again. Uh oh. And the timings didn't work out. And this was the only film I actually could possibly see this week. So um, so I went to see Belfast, which I think, Sharon, you went to see as well. I went to see Belfast. Yeah. And like most weeks, I did have a choice of three films. Whoa! Um, this was the one that appealed to me the most. So the next one down, if it's still about next week, I shall see that next week. What was what was the other one? I'm trying to remember which film I couldn't... The other one was Nightmare Alley. Yes, that was it. That was the film I couldn't that, that I would, that I couldn't get a good time. And then the other one was a, something, a journal for Jordan or something? A journal for Jordan, yeah. My, starring Michael B. Jordan, directed by Denzel Washington. Yes, yes that well, you're making there. me you're making me feel really sad now because <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really missing the movie because there's they're they're quite limited with what they show although they they it's it's quite difficult most most of the things I've seen I think well you've you've already reviewed but I mean I will there is a there is a Thai film that seems to be really really popular called Four Kings all right cool I might check out oh, so that I've got so. That if I, I've got something next week and the people still aren't back, so I can be loud. I don't want <laughs> have to be like this. So, okay, you think, uh, this is what I love. I love it. Sean, it's like Sean Harris, international correspondent. Give us what, what's hot in Thailand. What's hot in Thailand? That would be pretty yeah. cool. Apart uh, from tourists and. The thing okay. is, one of, one of the things yeah, about yeah. the cinema there, which is really funny, is all the trailers. Are in Thai. All the trailers are in Thai with no English subtitles. Well, they're all, all dubbed into Thai. And, and all the adverts are in Thai with no English. And they have the national anthem and people stand up. Yeah, yeah, you have people to stand, stand up. up for the national anthem and they have pictures of like the king going before it all starts. And then they have, well, then they have the showing with the Thai subtitles. So, well, sometimes they have it dubbed in Thai. So they, I think that's why they have the different cinemas, is because one's English. Uh, you well, know, one's, one's, the, one's the original language and one of them is dubbed. Yeah. 
dub, yeah. Hey, we have a baby. Yeah, Hello, somebody... little Wayne, little Tammy. How are somebody, you? Somebody just crawled into, someone just crawled into, um, I could call it my podcasting, but it's just my office. Someone just crawled into my office, pushed the door open and everything, came around the corner and was like, and guess what she was asking when she came around, Sean? What was She's that? Like, Where, where's Sean? Where's Sean? Hello. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Hello, mate. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> I'm in my um my Colonel Colonel Kurtz gear. You see, that's Uncle Sean. All right, cool. So, so in cinema, we have seen Belfast. We have seen Belfast, and I will explain my grey pound comment at the beginning of the podcast in a second. And at home, Sharon, you you mentioned it last week that you were watching it, and it sounds like you finished watching it. I finished watching it. All eight episodes. Yep. Of a Mexican drama called Soldados or Zombies. Soldados or Zombies. Good. That sounds good. That (laughs) sounds right up my street. Jealous. (laughs) You see, though, the funny thing is, like, Sean, uh, Nightmare Alley, I, I really want to see that, but I have this sneaky suspicion that Nightmare Alley would be right up your alley, if you accuse the pun, because I, it, it looks like the kind of stuff, like, it, all the feels of Nightmare Alley look like your kind of film. And so, Soldados or Zombies, that does sound like your kind of thing, because we figured out, like, it's Soldat, the, the, the title means Soldiers or Zombies. Mm, wow. Yeah, the title means Soldiers or Zombies. I'm, I'm- I'm looking looking forward to that one. I have actually watched a series, twelve episodes, of a, a series called The Deuce, The Deuce, which oh, okay. The Deuce with um, yeah, Magic Gyllenhaal, James, yeah, that's it, and and James oh, okay. Franco, yeah, and my, about yeah, yeah, about I think it's like prostitution and the porn industry in seventies New York, is <gasps> yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know, I know, it sounds like that, but it's about the so. Yeah, it's about New York in that era. So, yeah. you know, like the, the early 80s and it's just all the the paraphernalia and the cars and and that sort of sort of era. So, yeah, it's yeah. Bit, I mean, it's, it sounds when you say about pornography and, and <laughs> it's a bar and that, it sounds pretty bad, but there's, you know. Yeah, like, not in front of little ears, please. No, no, She's still at the point where she doesn't quite understand. That, that word's too long for her. Okay, and yeah. I, I, I saw this a couple of weeks ago. I saw the other thing I saw at home a couple of weeks ago, which I kind of like, um, I was over Christmas. I saw it. I thought, okay, cool. No, no problem. I didn't think I would review it because I thought the moment had passed. Yeah. But now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this thing is blowing up. Disney have done it again. Disney have managed to do yeah. make a film that when I originally saw it, I thought, oh, that isn't up to much. And then all of a sudden, a song from that becomes a breakout hit, becomes number one in the charts. It becomes this whole thing, this whole moment. So I thought, oh, wow. Seeing as we haven't actually reviewed it on the podcast, I might as well review, review Encanto. So I will I will do that as well. Yeah. But let yeah, us probably... The other thing I watched was Save the Cinema, which, which was yeah, uh, on that Sky. My watch list. Yeah, that's my yeah, Have you watched what... that as well, Sharon? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. That's on my watch list. Right. I was Same taken here. up with... So I didn't watch um, like last week. So, same here. Okay, no, 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 I need that. Sorry, sorry. Our, our co podcast host here is just trying to, like, you know, mess <laughs> things up. But okay, so let's kick off in cinema as we traditionally do. And let's kick off with Belfast. And um, Sharon, I'm going to let you explain what this is about <laughs> while I try and deal with our guests. <laughs> okay. Belfast is a film written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. And I believe, I don't know if it's how closely it's based, but it's large, It's loosely based on his own childhood experience of growing up in Belfast just before, just when the troubles first sort of kick off, when 
um, there'd been tensions rumbling between Catholics and Protestants, um, but people were largely living together in communities. So they were neighbours, they were side by side. And so this the film starts off by... It was a bit like West Side Story in some ways, um, the original West Side Story film, where the opening shot is you get like this scene of you flying over the city. And so you are you start off with Belfast, with flying over Belfast and getting the scene of like the Harland and shipyard. You've got the culture, you've got these old buildings and you've got like the modern buildings side by side where these sort of two cultures meet. So it's you can see that this is a place of history and a place of commerce and it's a vibrant community. And then it focuses on one very small terrace street. And then as you go from like coloured present, you go into black and white past, um, 1969. And then you start to see what how this community is made up of. So it's basically a woman comes out her front door and just uh, yells out like, buddy, your tea's ready. And then this sort of echo is taken up down the street by different people saying, buddy, your mum's calling you. And then round the corner, your mum wants you home. And so even though he's out of sight, the community everyone knows him everyone knows her and so like it's like and then by the time the message gets to him like two streets away it's like your tea's ready so he goes running back to his family and so you see immediately this is a community a close-knit community yep. where neighbor is not separated one from another they all know each other they've all been a part of each other's lives and this is not a family doesn't raise this child the community has raised this child so you very much see it in its context and then you get drawn into this one particular family um, which is mum and dad played by Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balfe. Is it Katrina or Katrina? Katrina I suppose it's probably Katrina if you okay not sure okay. <laughs> and then you've got his Jamie Dornan's parents um, played by Dame Judy Dench and Kieran Hines mm. and then you've got the two sons of the family played by unknown sort of young actors yeah and you then see as the story unfolds how jamie dawn's character he works away in london he's because the, the economy is on a bit of a downturn in belfast so he's gone away looking for work so he spends two weeks working away and he comes home every other weekend and while he's away these tensions that have been largely under the surface have suddenly erupted in their community where the local Protestant gang are deciding that it's time all the Catholics left. So they yeah. have this, this nothing short of like a mini riot in their own street where all the Catholic windows have their windows smashed in, there's a firebomb, there's a car set on fire. Yeah. And then it's into this context that we're suddenly drawn through the eyes of this young boy. We see most scenes, we see that he is present. So. You hear conversations where he's looking through the window or you see conversations that he's overheard. But you, we don't see anything that he doesn't see on the whole. So it's oh, yeah. this experience through this young boy's eyes of like his world suddenly being very secure, very safe, part of this loving, warm community. It's suddenly an unsecure, scary place where um, scary things happen. So before all these events, the biggest moment in his life was his desire to sit next to the pretty girl in his class. And then suddenly We've all been the world... We've all been there. Yeah, all been there, the right? <laughs> And the world in all its violent horribleness suddenly intrudes on his, his sort of lovely childhood, really. And yeah. then you have this whole uncertainty of, do they stay or do they go? Is the safest thing to go and seek yeah. out the opportunities? 
or should you stay because that's where you love where your family is where your roots are so that's where the story takes us yeah yeah that that is that 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 you know that's about it yeah i think really really well done i mean i i really really like this i really like this i mean i think story wise it's a bit slight and in and story wise it, there there was a bit where i was wrestling with it and i was going would this be any different if it was on a sunday afternoon on itv because story wise it's there isn't really any kind of big crescendo or anything that they move into but i just but and, and i came to the point where i was like no 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 this this is a big screen film this this is hands down a big screen film because of the i think the cinematic i love the bit where it does the whole wizard of oz from from color to black and white but yeah. but when it goes to, but you feel like it isn't just somebody trying to be arty here there is a point to it being in black and white that and you and it there's sometimes when you have a film that goes a bit artistic for artistic sake but there's a time when i think somebody does an artistic flourish that you straight away go that makes sense there is a reason for that and yeah. i think going into black and white and he backs it up throughout a whole bunch of things like it's all about the way this boy is remembering things and the way this boy is seeing things and i think this is reinforced like in scenes where they go to the cinema or in scenes yeah. where they go to watch something on stage that they reinforce that and i thought it was really really good i think he paints a picture that uh, Kenneth Branagh paints a picture of Belfast at that time that even though you might not be Irish, you might not have grown up in Belfast, it makes you ache. It so <laughs> makes you ache. And you, you really understand the, 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 the pull. You, you understand why people might not want to live there because things are bad. They keep talking about key children being killed in the streets and all that. But at the same time, they also show you why it will be such a pull to leave. And I think, you know, because with, with this, with the mum, the mum doesn't want to leave. The dad is thinking maybe we should. And you understand both sides of the, you understand what's going on. You understand. And I think the fact that pretty much the lead character of this film is the boy, Buddy, played by yeah. Jude Hill. He's the lead character of the film. I think they've done really well with the child actors. They don't become annoying, even though he's on screen probably more than anybody else. He's, it, it's, really, it's really, and I think the, the, the beginning of the film where you described where, you have this idyllic scene where everybody's playing in the streets and you and, and the then the, the the way that whole scene goes and then it transitions into the mob coming around the corner is brilliantly done it is so brilliantly done and um i think i think it's funny with child actors now they seem to be becoming much more professional don't they it's almost like they they're growing up quicker you know when well, when when you know, or, or they, they're more polished, shall we say, than some yeah. child acts yeah. of earlier times. Yeah. Slightly yeah. more natural acting. Yeah, that's, it. yeah, that's than, brilliant. But sometimes you can almost see the child going like, okay, I'm acting now. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Sharon, Sharon always puts it well, doesn't she? Sharon, Sharon <laughs> puts yeah. it in context. Yeah, so, but, so, uh, so yeah, I, I really like the film. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that I would... Uh, uh, well, there's a film journalist called Helen O'Hara, and she is Northern Irish. And she apparently watched this film with her parents and they were living in Belfast at the time when when the film is set. And she put a she put like a Twitter feed uh, down of comments that her parents made as to how accurate the film is. And it was pretty much like, you know, and she says, yeah, pretty much bang on. And I was kind of like, yep, yeah, yeah uh, I I like this because it, I it's a bit like with the film Roma that was made. Uh, ooh, drat. Oh, God, it was made by one of the three. Amigos, one of the three Mexican, I keep forgetting which one of them it was. It wasn't Guillermo del Toro. It was, I think it was 
I'm going to go Alejandro Inaritu and then kick myself when I realize that it's wrong and it's actually the other one. But <laughs> but um but it's about his childhood growing up in the Roma area uh, uh, area of Mexico City. And this is kind of uh, similar. It's like, you know, it's about a filmmaker doing a very personal story of his recollection of his childhood. And I, well, bearing the fact, the fact, the, the fact that I did not know Kenneth Branagh was Irish. Like he's the kind of, he's, he's kind of the Irish, like when you actually learn that, you're like, what? What, what do you mean he's Irish? He doesn't sound Irish. <laughs> but, like, but like Pierce Brosnan, he's Irish. You're like, what are you talking about? He's Irish. He's not Irish. And, and, um, yeah, and I, I, really really loved this film uh, and there's all these little touches like there's a bit where there's a bit involving a packet of detergent yeah <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit involving a packet of detergent and that and the brand of detergent is the same brand of detergent that we had like it was pretty much the number one detergent in nigeria and i was kind of like oh my god they had that in Ireland, in the, in like, you know, in almost the 70s. Oh, and there were things like that, even though I'm not Irish and I'm not, that they're just sort of like, this little grace notes and this little details that make me think, oh, yeah, this is great. And so those are my thoughts. Sharon, what were yours? No, the same. I thought, yeah, there's some touches. Again, I was, wasn't raised in Northern Ireland, but I was raised on the Isle of Wight in the 1970s, which yeah. is the 1950s anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> So, some would say today it's still the 1950s in some areas yeah. of the island. <laughs> but yeah, it did remind me of those summers when we would be yeah. out in the streets all day and you, no one met us in school in those days. We would leave school and we'd be off with our mates. And as long as you're home for tea, that was yeah. our big thing. And I, in the I, I summer, agree totally. We had to be home agree. before dark. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree totally. That was it. You just wander off for the day. You'd go off for the day. Be back. Make sure you're back for tea. You know, make sure you make That was it. And you could go anywhere and you know wander around and just get up to mischief it was a in a in a way when you were saying about the idyllic childhood it was quite quite nice like that wasn't it you did have that freedom and they don't have the freedom now the, the kids are the parents won't let them go go down the road because they're worried that yeah they're gonna skip, but with skip all childhood, though, the world, real world does intrude doesn't it so yeah. Yeah. we for my childhood i suddenly became aware of the outside world with the falklands war that was the big thing that mm. suddenly made mm. opened my mm. eyes to world outside of my own thing and obviously that wasn't on my doorstep but i knew people in my road who's dads were in the navy so it was like oh yeah there's like it's like oh, oh you mean you mean the world is not a safe place That's you it. mean bad I things mean, might with, happen with, with me it was vietnam war was on the telly all the time as i remember as a kid yeah. no it doesn't treat so it's not oh, something's not what's on your street and this film is obviously it's on his street but yeah. you do get to that point of childhood when you suddenly become aware of there's there is a world outside of your safe bubble basically yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I like those touches where he's got this sort of childhood where he's like hanging out with his granddad and he goes around to see his grandparents oh. after school. And he's, yeah, then his uncles and aunts come around and he's, yeah, then the, they have the family gatherings. It's just like, yeah, it's like, I know that world. Yeah. <laughs> Not the, like hang out with my, I did hang out with my granddad, but he, I was of a similar age. I was in my sort of seven or eight when I used to sort of see my granddad. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean the, the the relationship with the grandparents is is one of the great screen grandparent grandkid relationships. You just make it, it makes you go, oh, oh, oh yeah, I wish, I, wish I had that relationship with my granddad, or or rather, in my case, I wish I'd known my granddad. Or yeah, or, my uh, only knew one of my grandparents out of the four. So yeah, yeah well, I was thinking, I do have remember have moments with my granddad, not like that at all, because my granddad was quite old when I was a child, yeah. much older than the character in the film. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's those sort of moments where you can relate to if you've, I think, yeah, cross cultures, you think, yeah, you can relate to that, that childhood and then the world intruding. And I think they just, they sort of um, showed in some ways the complexities of the troubles as well, because we tend to think, looking back, it was like um, just sectarian and then the army came in and messed things yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas this, when you see these first troops arriving, they were like, help them move some furniture. And they were like, yeah. there was a few bits back chat with them, but they weren't the sort of the enemy of the people as though in some ways they are portrayed when yeah. you have, you know, the sort of soldiers in, in Ireland. Yeah. So it did, I was slightly, I did, I was reminded of some other films, not that it was derivative in any way, but in some ways it reminded me a little bit like Billy Elliot, which was a story of this young boy um, but then you had the minor strike as a background. So you yeah. see in some ways this way, you see the soldiers and you see the barricades and you see the conflict yeah. there. So there's a, sort of had a little bit of um, reminding me of that in a small way, not in a big way. Yeah, I'll tell what you. Are tell... What are the accents like? Is it heavy accents, heavy Irish accents or well, not too bad? Pretty much every, pretty much everybody apart from Judy Dench is Irish right. in the yeah. film. Right. Okay, so, but what I'm saying is because sometimes it can be really, you know, really heavy, can't it? Or, oh, I mean, well, no. they're, they're if, all if, understandable. Yeah, if I had no problem hearing, I had no problem nice understanding thing. anybody. So it's 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 no, it's no big deal. So um, they. But I'll tell you one thing that, that I was I was I was surprised as to how much it wasn't focusing on the troubles. Like yeah. I was I was because I was expecting, especially the way the film kicks off, I was expecting okay, this is going to be like in you know, a documentary thing of why this actually started because. I have to admit, the Northern Irish conflict is one I do not understand. All my life, when I first saw it, I was like, why? What? What is going on? What, what, how did this start? And even the, yeah. so essentially, this probably a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's, uh, but, but it's just kind of like, uh, but, yeah. I, but and I, was, I was surprised that the fact that it went so personal and went so on this family. And this is happening in the background, but it's all about this family. So um, I think we've, we're, we, we can, as you can see, we can talk a little bit more and get, we could probably get a bit spoilerific and talk about our favorite bits, but we're going to stop and just give a star rating. Personally for me, Sharon, I, I think it's a four out of five, not quite a five because there are some bits where I was like, why is that doing there? There's a singing scene that comes out of nowhere. And <laughs> there's a couple of bits where like, I'm like, oh, what is it? So I would give it a four out of five. Yeah, I would do a great, I would give it a four out of five. I think in some points, do you feel like sometimes the pace is slowing down? And as you yeah. say, sometimes you're waiting for like a a dramatic point. high point or yeah. some yeah. sort of <laughs> catharsis going on. But um, it doesn't really happen. But you can see why they reach the point they do in the film. Yeah. And it's like this sort of build up, but without a massive like. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I would say sometimes the pacing felt like a little bit maybe slow. But we, but I think when the style of film it is, that doesn't detract too much. So yeah. for me, it was a four as well. I would, I would agree with that. All right, cool. Good stuff. So four stars for Belfast. Oh, and oh, before, all right, because we're doing this on Zoom and we're about to get kicked off. But before we get kicked off, to explain my whole thing about um, the Grey Pound, the Grey Pound not dwindling, because we were talking about how a whole bunch of films, apart from Spider-Man, No Way Home, have not done well over the Christmas period. And how, because they you expect like something like Ridley Scott's The Last Duel, the people who will be watching this will be of an older persuasion and all that. So I saw this in a cinema in Birmingham and I was the youngest person in the cinema. Number one, I was the youngest person in the cinema. Number two, it is the most packed screen that I have been in in years. There, there, wow. like the, 
yeah, there, it was actually difficult to try and find a seat when I had to choose a seat, trying to find a seat that was like, you know, at least two seats away from anybody else. And I was the youngest person. Most of these people looked like they were at least the, next to me was probably about 60 years old and stuff. And they all went to watch this film. And that's what made me think, oh, the Grey Pound is alive and well. We just need to get people a film that they'll like and they will go out of their houses to go see it. So... Yeah. They're uh, not so, dead, they're just dormant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dormant. So, so, so it made me think like, you know, Grey Pound, Silver Dollar, Alive and Well, you just have to get the right film. It seems that The Last Duel might not have been it, but Belfast looks like it definitely is, if if the screen I went to is anything by. Now we're going to invite him back. We're going to invite Sean. Sean back, who, even though he hasn't managed to make it to the cinema to see anything new, he has still kept up his usual... Uh, his usual beast thing and seen a whole bunch of things that, but we have narrowed it down to two things you can let us know about it. Two things you can let us know about. So one of them relates to relates to what we're talking about with Belfast and um, something else. So carry on with the with what you're going to say, Sean. Uh, okay. Well, funnily enough, the thing was I, I woke up this morning and I put the TV on because I was feeling a bit lazy. It was quite early, and there was the wind that shakes the barley. Now I'd never seen this film because I'd always thought it always looked from the cover and things that it might have been a bit dull but um that's and also, really and also you don't like killian murphy uh, yeah also there well that's that's another thing that's another thing this but this is obviously a really early role <laughs> that's yeah. probably the reason um there's a lot to do with that but uh yeah I, it just jogged my memory about the you know you're talking about belfast and this this is the early part of the the division of ireland you know with the the black and tans and the, the I, i'm sure you must have seen it haven't you sharon no, I haven't seen it, but that's about the Easter Rising, isn't it? Of is it Easter Rising in 1916? Well, yeah, that's yeah, no, 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 it? no, no, it's later than that because there's like, but basically, the story is there's two brothers and they decide that they're going to form the IRA, so they got this little and then the IRA around the country, um, and then basically they do get their their mandate to be governed, but the two brothers fall out because of the, as, like as the British Army go, the um, the, should we say, the, the the Irishmen take over the army role. So, and they're saying, oh, you know, well, we've got this far, we can't we can't let this go and all that. So the two brothers sort of come into a bit of a conflict. Um, and it was really, really interesting, actually, really, really interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's a Ken Loach movie, I think. Yeah, that's, and, that's um, what I was going to say, it was Ken Loach. Yeah. yeah, so, and it's quite brutal. It was like at the start of it where they, you know, the soldiers just turn up in a truck and pull everybody out and say, oh, you know, what are you doing? And they, they just beat them for no apparent reason, <laughs> shoot them for no apparent reason, set fire to houses. And it's pretty bleak. It's pretty bleak, like a lot of Loachy films. But yeah, it's it was really, really, it was quite interesting, really. So basically two stories, two brothers, they start off, form the resistance, and then one of the brothers becomes sort of part of the new the new new government you know and the other the other brothers Cillian murphy the other brothers not particularly how how you know not particularly happy so, about it so. so so something in the water something irish in the water this week that's it it must be yeah 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 it was just it was just one of those ones i started I, it was it started to watch it it grabbed me so i carried on watching it yeah all right cool and so you said you saw the deuce I did see the juice, yeah. So, so tell us, tell us a little bit. What did you think of the juice? Okay, because, the juice. Because it's it's been a couple of years. It's been out a couple of years now. I yeah, yeah. It's... There's like it looks like there's three series, three yeah. series, and I've only watched the first one, which is twelve episodes. Um, terrific titles, absolutely. That the intro's really good. They show a bit of you know previously on the juice, and then and then a little bit extra, and then you get the titles. 
And um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's quite adult themes, but basically it's, it takes place around the, the 1970s, you know, and, and New York's sort of becoming a bit more freer to do with, with uh, you know, adult, adult things. Yep. And basically James Franco, he plays two parts in it. He plays two brothers. So he's got like two brothers. One's, one's the owner of this, this bar, the Deuce, where the sort of, should we say, the, the, the pimps and the, the prostitutes hang out. Yep. So, and it all goes on. So then they, they build. They decide that they're gonna uh, build a, uh, this this other place, which is which is just basically like a brothel, you know. Because gets the and you've you've you you've it's all very very stereotypical of like you know the 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 pimps with the big furry coats. It's like a, a bunch of like five pimps which have got sort of girls around them, and yeah. you know they're all. I mean, it's high quality acting. It's not like a. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it, the fact that I love the fact that you're having to keep making excuses for this. Yeah, thing. making excuses. So it's like you know, know. It's, a whole, it's really, really great. But there's all these pimps and they have all these women and then, but, but it's good. It's good. I, I promise you, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just sounds that way. And I mean, there are yeah, there are some adult bits in it, and there's 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 some nudity in it and things like that. But it's it's basically the whole story. And then the mob, you know, you got like the mob got involved, and it's just basically. But what I liked about it, what I really liked about it, what grabbed me, it captures the whole the whole era, you know, like yeah. the white lapel, you know what I mean? The seventies. Well, like the, the, the seventies fashion and <laughs> yeah, all the that. Big, the, yeah. The bell and bottoms. I mean, I mean, there's one guy that looks one of the, that I'm sure must be a, a, a famous singer or rapper or something. He's, he plays one of the, he's got, he's got very, very straight hair. Um, oh yeah. So I, but I mean, I, I should have done a bit more research on it. But mm, okay. Straight hair rapper might be Andre 3000. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that's the guy, that's the guy out of Outcast. Did look like him. Yeah. So I don't know. But um. Yeah, so so I've heard a lot about these, like it was what you said about it's about the time and place is about the they evoke this time of the seventies New York, but uh, obviously the lead character is Maggie 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 Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal, yeah, yeah, she's uh, a terrific Gyllen- actress. Yeah, she's and a- and for everything I've heard about this is that it's just about it's about it's kind of like following her and how her her as a woman navigates this whole thing and how she manages to sort of cr- almost sort of carve out a corner of the world for herself, even though she starts off the thing as one of the prostitutes. And yeah, she does. I've, I've, heard, and, I mean, I've heard a brilliant, brilliant performance. Yeah, brilliant performance. I mean, she doesn't want to be, She, you know, like you get the pimps that will come and say, oh, you know, we will look after you and all that. And, and she's like, no, 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 I don't want to get into that scene. But of yeah. course, she gets, beat, she gets beaten up and things and all that. And then it ends up into the adult, um, the adult film industry. And so she she sort of worms away in there as like a director of the, the film. So there's there's... He's quite nice, really. He's not really a sleazeball. The guy who's the director of like the the movies, the the adult movies, she sort of charms her way in. And there's there's one there's a bit where in in the one scene where he can't make it to do the directing, so she does. He's saying, "Oh, you would just as well pack up and go home for the day, girls," and like that. And she goes, "No, no, we can't do that all this." So she directs them all. And she she does it really, really more. You know, she sort of, she sort of says, "Look, you're looking bored." You know what I mean? You're looking bored. Oh yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, so um, so yeah, I'm assuming it's it's uh, that's 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 basically that story. But the other story, the other the other sideline is this this James Franco, because um, as I say, it's a it's two performances, a bit like Legend, where there's two brothers and they are totally. He does it really really well. One's like really on the oh yeah yeah, you know, gets into trouble a lot, and the other yeah. one's pretty. He says no, I'm not getting involved in that that rubbish. So, but well, I, I 
I mean, I really, really liked it. I'm going to catch up on the other two episodes. I think, so how so how many stars would you give season one? Uh, season one, I'd give, let's just work it through. I probably would give this, because there were some episodes, like everything, there's some episodes that don't quite grab it. So I'm going to give it a, I'll give this a three. I'll give this a three, but it's mm-hmm. watchable. Do you know what I mean? But it's not, yeah. there are, it's not, uh, I don't know. There's some great performances in it, terrific performances, but it's probably not for everybody. But well, yeah, for, I'd imagine. Uh, I'd bit, imagine. For yeah, for being of that era, it just like, and you know, I like I like period movies. If you can call them period <laughs> movies now, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess well, the nineteen yeah. seventies is history, pardon? Yeah, no, no, sure. And nowadays, you'd make something that's set in the nineties. That's period. The nineties yeah. is now. <laughs> something in the nineties is now a period movie. It yeah, is, it would that, be, I guess. That, that's be. my childhood, yeah. but it's now a period movie. Oh my god, what's happening? All right, cool. Thanks a lot for that, Sean. Thanks a lot for that. So now let us go on to quickly move on to Sharon. Soldados or zombies? Tell us about yes. this. Soldados or zombies? It's a, a Mexican drama, and it's start. But the, the central character you see the story mainly through his eyes is a. Uh, a Mexican drug lord who has been imprisoned and at the beginning of the, the drama um, he has an, en- an escape has been engineered for him mm-hmm. and he escapes into this sort of compound in the middle of the desert and close to the, the borderlands so it's in Mexico but it's very close it's in that whole deserty barren scrubby part of land you know, sort of between uh, Texas and Mexico. Yep. And so he is in this sort of compound with his gang around him and his son is around him. And then the parallel story to this, very close to this area, is where um, there is a military base where they patrol the border. And on the American side, they patrol the border for uh, people who try to cross. And they're in this sort of American base. There is like a an army scientist who is trying to develop to develop a super soldier type serum and he has been experimenting with baby pigs where he has been injecting these um these pigs with a a drug uh, that should give them lets them carry on fighting even though they're wounded it sort of desensitizes <laughs> them to their injury so they're not like they don't panic if they get injured they just carry on now, this, anyone this, who's ever uh, watched not, any film thinks, yeah, I can see nothing wrong with that. Yeah, this never goes badly. Never. never. Yeah, there's no, I can never see any problems with a supercharged, adrenaline-filled, um, oblivious to pain and all sensation soldier. What could possibly go wrong there? Yeah. And this, the experiment fails, so they then dump the these baby pigs, having been injected with this deadly serum, um, in the desert, they just go. Oh, let's just dump them. There's nothing wrong with that, surely. What could possibly go wrong there with dumping a contaminated animal? Oh. And then these baby pigs aren't dead after all. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then into this, there's a group of highly trained, like SWAT team officers, who have gone in to chase down the <coughs> the Mexican drug lord. Yeah. And. There's something horrible happens when they're in pursuit of this drug lord and they get infected with this deadly virus, Whoa. pathogen, whatever. Are then infected, but because this is not, they're not killed by this, this 
drug, this experimental drug, they yep. are still sentient. So they still remember that they have their orders is to track down this drug lord. Yeah. So they are um, monstral in their behavior in terms they're very highly aggressive. They yep. get very bitey um, at times. <laughs> And they then, by, by being very bitey, they can then infect people. And yeah. so anyone they come across basically becomes their prey, but then they become, they're still sentient. So they still can communicate and they can still, they're still determined to follow orders. So it is like soldados or zombies, are they soldiers or zombies or are they just a hybrid of both? Yeah. And then as the drama continues, then we get this reporter who's reporting on um, the, the Mexican, the drug lord, she's the end that gets dragged into it, and they all end up converging at this one point. Yeah. And then you've got a DEA officer from America, so you've got all these different points of view where they are slowly drawn together when you get this this compound becomes a centre of this conflict. Um, so that's probably all I will say. So, yeah, you get, like, mad scientists, the um, American army in pursuit of these escaped, you know, mini pigs that are infected, and then they find out that this infection has spread into this these soldiers and then other Mexicans trying to escape into not escape trying to get into America. So you then have this sort of like mini army forming of these soldados stroke zombie creatures. Uh, okay. Mm. So so okay, it um is it in Spanish or in English? It's both. The um obviously the Americans just speak in in English and then all the the people from Mexican side of the border tend to speak Spanish so you have you have to set up your computer right because when I first started watching it all the English speakers were um, subtitled. subtitled and then none of the Spanish speakers were subtitled I love that equality yes <laughs> so I swapped it around so I got the subtitles on the, the Spanish speakers uh, all right so cool. they're, yeah so the story is ridiculous it, you can't help but be ridiculous. But yeah. with, so within the confines of that ridiculousness, you want to have some reality. So a, a few times you're thinking, this is just, would you really do that? Yeah. It's like when there's a scene where there's, uh, they're under peril, you get two people who they're saying, like they've been fighting off zombies, they've finally made it into a house, into this compound, and then they say, hey, let's split up. It's like, <laughs> Sounds sounds like you're sounds like you're becoming you you're sort of coming like me then, Sharon. Yeah, well, there's a few moments where I'm thinking, so why would you do that? Yeah, so if you've been attacked by zombies, you suddenly get into a house. It's like, let's split up. No, you just cover each other's backs, surely. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's another scene, really uncomfortable scene where it doesn't quite go as far <laughs> as like zombie sex, but it is zombie amorousness, which oh, is a wow. bit like, what am I watching? <laughs> The odd moment where you go, what? Uh, I'm comfortable. Uh, uh, this, uh, this was Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, and Amazon Prime. I'm just asking and for a friend who, who might want to watch some zombie amorousness. I'm, not for me. Yes. But, yeah, and there's just, a few just... things where there's a Carl moment in it where there's a little boy and they're saying, I'm going to buy you a, a drone for your birthday, uh, but don't leave the garden basically stay within the garden with your drone that can fly 500 feet in the air and then will disappear across the mountains but don't go outside the garden and so I what happens next this, it's like oh i wonder what i'll do i'll find my zone my drone oh look it's gone like oh 
<laughs> okay, no, no, Sean. Sean, that's, you, that's you, so so good. That's so yeah. No, okay, no, sure. no, 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 Sean. You talk. Loving, you talk I'm about this. I'm loving this. Yeah, but Sean, this is the thing. You haven't been around for a couple of weeks, so we have had to fill in the Sean. Why would you do that gap? So, so if you listen to some of our uh, some of the shows that we've done over the last couple of weeks, there have been a couple of times. I think, especially in my review of the three five five, in which. <laughs> In which we, we do some pretty good Sean impressions because we're watching this one's going, why would you? Go, go, no! And we have said, this is the spirit of Sean. The, <laughs> the spirit of Sean is still with us because we're still thinking, why would you do that? Okay, so... Sean <clears throat> moments in this. Yeah. So, so final thing, I mean, because when you were explaining this, I was thinking... Oh, okay. The this sounds so far so generic, and the only thing that that might keep me interested would be the fact that it's Mexican, and I wanted to see a Mexican take on some sort of like American zombie tropes. But final final verdict, what would you say? How many stars would you give it? I would give it a. a there are moments it does drift into two territory, but I did on the whole, I'd say it was sort of elevated to a three mm. because it is ridiculous. But they have got. There is some things in its favour. It reminded me in some ways, of, I can see how this was a progression from some of the ideas of George A. Romero. So yeah. if you think of like Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, those sort of latter ones where he was a bit more experimental and he was trying to think, okay, let's take it away from just that. Yeah. And to give them some intelligence and give them some, and like Land of the Dead to some degree, where you've got yeah. these these they may be infected but they haven't lost all their memories so i thought yes i could see how this was like a progression from that sort of thing rather than a walking dead zombie this is like a i would say this was the grandchild of george romero's zombies rather than a a, a, a walking dead type take on zombies. when sharon yeah. on that note you don't suppose you know when the new walking dead series is coming out do you no the I last don't. the last it's, bit. it's imminent it's imminent but i don't know when right so, as, as you as you can guess, I I'm totally riveted. You're this just totally off that. <laughs> so yeah. Oh my god! Oh, Walking Dead, please feed it to my eyeballs now. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting bless in terms you. of it sort of takes a different take on the whole why it's then that's why it has the oh in there rather than the sort of dinosaur zombies. So instead of it's like zombie soldiers, it's like are they soldiers or yes, are they? Good stuff. Okay, cool. So, so three so stars for interesting things, but you have to have the odd. Don't do that. Moment. <laughs> okay, okay, and, and yeah, and it sounds like if it's done properly, we might be back in scream territory, which was yeah. reviewed last week. Now, um, so now we go to a final thing, and we mentioned about the fact that at the moment in the UK charts, we don't talk about Bruno is number one, and weirdly enough, this is the first song ever from a Disney film that has been number one in the charts. I was shocked to find that. I was thinking, can you feel the love tonight? The Oscar way to be king, a whole new world. Um, let it be? Under the what, sea. What, 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 let it go. Let it go. Yeah, go. Let, it, let it go. Let it go was not number one. No, let it go did oh, not wow. go to number one. And We Don't Talk About Bruno is the first song from a Disney film to get to number one. And, and I don't this, know that I know it. Yeah, well, well, you you won't know it, but, if, but apparently if you hang around any young kids, they've latched onto this thing like Limbus. And this is from the film Encanto, which was released just before Christmas. It was in cinemas for a short while, and then it was doing that weird thing that's happening a lot more, where you have a film in cinemas and on TV at the same time. So it was so even though it was still in cinemas, you still you started getting um, Encanto on Disney Plus, and 
Um, so I watched this, and okay, a little bit about, and I have to say first and foremost, when I watched the film, I thought, We Don't Talk About Bruno is the most singable song. It's the song, I, I did, but I didn't think it was anything to write home about. And then, all of a sudden, everybody started singing the song and listening to it online, and now the song is number one in the charts. There's, there's wow. four songs from Encanto in the top 20. I mean, the fact that they're written, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton, might have something to do with that. Even though I don't think it's his best work, um, songwriting-wise, but I do think we don't talk about Bruno was one of was the is the most singable song out of all out of all them. Um, but the storyline of Encanto and uh, I think my my review of like we don't of the song we don't talk about Bruno is pretty much how I feel about the film. Where I think it's it's probably not the best one, but it, the the whole thing about the film is that there's this family is somewhere in hills in Colombia, and they all have powers. So they have this house that they call the family Madrigal, and they have this. Um, uh, they, a house that was gifted to them by some sort of magical means, and every member of the family has some sort of superpower. So you have uh, the one of the one of the girls, Luisa. She's like really really strong. One of the one of them can make like you know plants grow. One of them can hear things from across the room. One of them can talk to animals. One of them can control the weather. And it's and essentially think X Men. Think think X Men and think like you know like uh, the the X Mansion. It's kind of like an X-Men mansion but in the hills of Colombia. But there is one daughter who is like, you know, the one who introduces you to everyone called, called Mirabelle, who doesn't have any powers. And nobody knows why she doesn't have any powers because they do this whole thing where like it, it's, it's the, the way they do it, it's kind of like this whole big festival where they, the whole town comes together because a town has so sort of formed around this family because they come there because the family can protect them and family can give them all these different things through their powers. And they have this whole thing where it's like, you know, it's like a, it's like a quinceanera or something like that, where everybody sort of like gets around and they're like, oh my God, yeah, what power are you going to get? What power are you going to get? And when that happened with Mirabelle, she didn't get a power. And so throughout her life, she's now like, you know, well, she's now a teenager and it's all about, oh, there's the next time when someone's going to get a power, what's going to happen? And we start realizing that the magic that the Madrigal, that the Madrigal family has and that they used to help people around them is beginning to fade. And it's all, so it becomes this, um, it becomes this almost adventure slash mystery quest from, from her point of view, trying to figure out why the magic fades. Because she is the only one in the family who is not defined by what the magic has given them because the magic didn't give her anything. So all the other members of the family that the house is falling apart because the house is held about by magic, the um the strong the strongest uh daughter Louisa who helps the neighbors by taking donkeys out of the river and she's at one point she's walking along with five donkeys on her back and all that kind of stuff she's beginning to lose the thing I can't even pull a piano from one room into the other and it's and it's all about so it becomes this sort of treatise on whether this family does it mean are they more than their powers is like if they have these abilities are they more than their abilities or anything like that. I thought it was all right. I thought Encanto was all right. I, I quite liked it. And it, 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 I think Disney are doing something where recently with their films, they're trying to go away from the usual cliche, from the, oh, we have a princess, and we have a prince who saves her, and they all get married at the end, and all that. And they're trying to go for some sort of stories that are probably a bit more now, a bit more today. So it's not about a woman being saved by a prince, but it's more about finding out what's inside of you. And the same way with frozen it was all about oh you know save yourself and it, there's there is that message within it as it goes towards the end of the film i feel like it loses it a bit because because 
there are things that happen that I don't think are well explained. Like, why does that happen? How does that, why does that fix things? Why does that make things worse? <laughs> why would you do that to that character? And there's all these that, that I don't think make, make particular sense. And I feel like Disney are essentially coasting on the fact that it's Disney, people let it go. If you pardon the pun. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's like, gonna, and so I would give Encanto a three, a three out of five stars. I do, I mean, I do like the fact that it's a different world, so to say. I love the fact that it's, that what, what you're looking at is not same old, same old. That this is actually, but the, that, well, I like the fact that what you're looking at is, is a new area that haven't, you haven't really seen in Disney films. They're looking at a new culture that you've been, it reminded me a little in some areas of Coco, the Pixar movie Coco, which I think is brilliant. Well, I, mm-hmm. I, I think Coco is absolutely amazing. And so it reminded me of that in some areas, but um, all in all, I think it's just one of those things. Disney know what they're doing and they figured out a way to sort of get into people's minds to make this thing bigger than the sum of its parts. To make, the, the, I think the cultural phenomenon of Encanto is going to be a bigger deal than the film of Encanto itself. So um, I'll give Encanto three out of five. Although I will say one thing about Disney that they're doing that I am not too, too, too happy about. So Encanto got released in cinemas and all that. And they've done this whole thing where they have, it seems as if they stopped releasing Pixar movies because obviously Disney owns Pixar, even though it's a different studio. They stopped releasing Pixar movies in cinemas. They only release Pixar movies on Disney Plus, but they release the Disney animated films on in cinemas. And I, because there was a, there's a film called Turning Red that's about a, a girl of, I believe from the, from the trailers and everything, she's of Chinese origin. It's the first Pixar movie that's been directed by a woman and directed by a Chinese woman who is, and it's all about this girl. And whenever she experiences heightened emotion, she turns into a, into a red panda. And this film, as I've been expecting this one for years, it's been, and they had, it had a cinema release date and then Disney pulled it back and said, oh no, it's not going to be in cinemas anymore. This Pixar movie is going to be on Disney Plus. And I'm like, let's, to be honest, I was looking more to this, forward to this film a lot more than Encanto. Why mm-hmm. are you pushing that? Or, so you're pushing the Disney animated stuff into cinemas and you're taking all the Pixar stuff and putting it on Disney Plus. And I just don't like it. I don't like it. There's something going on there. There's probably mm-hmm. some algorithm. There's probably some business thing. With Disney, it's going to come down to money. That's the reason why they've done it. But it makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, but anyway, three stars for Encanto. That's <laughs> that's where I was at. Three stars for Encanto. Uh, all right. Um, and uh, I don't know. We don't talk about Bruno. I'll say we, we don't talk about Bruno is the best song in the film. Um, right. So having done all that, not talking about Bruno, um, I don't. With only one film in cinema this week, I don't think it's worth it talking about. Even though I think if we did an average cinema, well, well if, if if you did the average, yeah, it would still, cinema would still win on its own. Yeah, cinema would still win. Like uh, yeah. Belfast got four, and nothing else at no. home got nothing four. Else did. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I, I shall make a concerted effort to find something at the cinemas for, and hopefully, hopefully, we can. Um, yeah, sure. We can, uh, yeah, if, if you're able to join us next week, I mean, I'm going to try and see Nightmare Alley, and I think I this is Nightmare a Alley. Yeah, I, I, I'll have right. to see what's I'll have to see what's released because uh, yeah. when was Kingsman released over there? Before Christmas, was it? Yeah, see, it was after yeah. Christmas here. It was. After oh no, Christmas. actually, no, no, it was Boxing Day. It was Boxing Day. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. this. I mean, I, well, saw, I saw it. it. Pretty, good. 
two or three weeks. It's a two or three films ago, anyway. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I over here, I thought they might have released them earlier, but I mean, what I have to do is look at release dates and stuff. So yeah, but, COVID's um, messing everything yeah. up. But, yeah. but I'll tell you one thing, right? With Nightmare Ali, I think I'm actually more looking forward to what you think of the film than right. I am of watching the film myself. Right. I, I, well, I wonder. I, I, I check that. If it's on, I'll make a point of going to see that one. All right. Cool. Good stuff. All if right. It's, there. it's lovely so, to be back, right? Yeah. It, nice to see you. It is great to have you back, Sean. Great to have you back, Sean. So until next week, when we'll figure out what it is that we can watch, it is a goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And then it's a goodbye from me. Ah, so good to hear Sean say that once more. Thank you, <laughs> thank you much for joining us. Goodbye. Oh.